Acts chapter four is where we're gonna camp out today. It's where we've been for the past few weeks. In fact, for the next couple of weeks, because we're talking about this early church. We're talking about how they came together and a movement that started. It wasn't just they showed up and yeah, we went to church. And yeah, it was good and we went home. Listen, they were on a mission, right? They were on a mission to see this thing work. 2,000 years later, we're caught up in that movement of the early church. So how many of you have a friend or a family member going to church somewhere else this morning? Raise your hand. That's you. They're part of the movement, right? So this movement wasn't, well, it happened in Jerusalem and now it's just an act with Kennesaw. No, no, no. We're, we say it this way. We're a little C church in the big C church, right? So we partnered together to keep the movement moving forward. Last Sunday night was a perfect example. There last Sunday night, we had the little pool that we normally use, the baptismal that we use, and we had one from another church up the street, and we had another one from another church down the street. Why? Because we're all in this thing together. It's all part of a bigger story. So this group of people is coming together, watching this happen, so we find them Jesus, after the resurrection, telling them, hey guys, I'm not staying here any longer. This is, this is on you, basically was the, the, the speech he gave. And this is on you. And he goes back to heaven and now there's 70 to 120, about 120 people that are in this thing. And then all of a sudden that group begins to grow and people hear there's been a resurrected Savior. And then Pentecost happens. 3,000 are added to their number that day. And then Acts 2 tells us, and the Lord continued to add to their number daily. And we talked about that two weeks ago. Last week we talked about the miracle that happened with the healing of the lame man. And today we pick up the story of what the church was doing. So right at the top of your outline, if you've got the hand hard copy outline, if you want to write on it, if you want to thumb it in your phone, go to North Star Church Georgia in the app store, download the app. Here's the words I want you to write in. Ready? Prescriptive, not descriptive. I want you to write that in. I'm going to explain what that means. Prescriptive, not descriptive. What we're going to read today was a prescription of how this should work, not a description of what exactly it's gonna look like. Because the church in 2021 and this early group of believers, very different circumstances. So what happened then was because it had to happen then. So meaning this, we read that they were almost pooled together as believers, living around each other, taking care of everything, okay? It's prescriptive, not descriptive, meaning the goal of this passage is not we should all sell our houses and move to 3014, 3413 Blue Springs Road and pitch tents, then we all live here forever. That's not, it's prescriptive, not descriptive, meaning this. So when the church, when the day of Pentecost happened, let's go back a little bit, People had come in for the festivals from literally all over. And we remember from the story that all of them heard the gospel in their language, right? It was the, the, the tongues that came down. Why did that happen the way that it happened? It happened because they wanted the story of Jesus to get to as many people as possible. So I want you to look at this map with me real quick. This is really interesting. So 
you had Jerusalem, Judea, right there in that circle. Those are all the areas that people had come in for that festival on the day of Pentecost. So literally, they're not from there. So the only way they're going to survive is to survive with each other. Does that make sense to everybody? It's a really big part of the story. So when you read what you read about the early church, and you're like, I don't get why they had to do it this way. There was, if we don't do this, people won't eat. If we don't do this, people can't live. If we don't do this, people won't survive. It was descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Does that make sense to everybody? All right, Acts chapter four. Let's dive into the passage this morning. Acts chapter four, verse 32. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? So we, they, they've been teaching and now we just pick up a, a little piece as we walk through Acts. Listen to what Luke records as he wrote Acts. And all the believers were, what's that next word? In heart and mind. Meaning all these people, remember, they were from everywhere. But the only thing they got in common is they all followed Jesus. That was the one thing they had in common. They spoke different languages. They came from different cultures. They came from different religious backgrounds mostly Jewish, but a few Gentiles were getting saved. And now they're all together, but they were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land and houses would sell them and they would bring the money to the apostles to give what they had need of. So basically you saw the church being the church for the church. And you watch a picture of generosity happen. That's the prescriptive part that you and I can learn from. Would you pray with me? Father, I, man, I applaud the people within the sound of my voice, both in the room and watching this morning that on a Labor Day weekend and craziness and, and they took time because they said, I need you and I need your best in my life. So God, speak to our hearts today. And God, may we, when we leave, know that we met with you. So Father, we give you this time. We ask that you teach us, grow us, stretch us. And Father, I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, you don't have to shake hands or anything. Turn around and ask the people around you if they're team one, if they're happy or not. All right, just find out. Find out where all the angry people are. Find out where they're at. You can be seated. So, you know, you think, about, you think about this word movement. That word movement in the, in the title of the series is a powerful word because movement describes something that is gaining momentum, right? That's what movement describes. Let me tell you why it was gaining momentum. I want you to write two words down, and they're going to be words that carry us through our time together this morning, okay? If you, so... I feel like a teacher. If you listen really well today and you take notes in class, I'm gonna let you out early. All right, can I get an amen? I can't give you a gift. I bring not silver or gold, but I do bring time. All right, and so um, that was last week's message. Anyways, if you weren't here last week, you don't understand. But anyways, so here are the two words. United, unselfish. 
United, unselfish. United, unselfish. Those are the two words that describe the early church. They were united in a mission. What was their mission? Their mission was to tell the story of a resurrected Savior. That was their mission. You saw Jesus die. You know for a fact he was put in a tomb. And then he's eating with you in the upper room and you're watching him going around. That's a story to tell. That was their mission. And they were willing to die for that mission. They were united. They had a focus. But here's the other part of it. They were unselfish. They, it wasn't about them. And you're gonna watch, it's really interesting as we read the book of Acts over the coming weeks, how you have these very strong personalities that bend towards the greater good. So I do a lot of work with teams. I do a lot of work, even in businesses, working with teams. It's really interesting. I always know it's gonna be a great team or a great company or a great business when these two words can describe them, united and unselfish. You're gonna move strong because people get it. They get what they're about and they go, it's not about me. I mean, it's about making this the best place it can be. United, unselfish. So the two opposites of that are divided and selfish. Sounds like a great place, doesn't it? All right, divided and selfish. You, you take a team on a Saturday, the team's divided and they're selfish, they're gonna have a bad year because they're not about each other. Movements are created through united and unselfish. And that unselfish piece is interesting because there's this word that wells up that describes it. And the word is gratitude. And the word is generosity. How in the world, the prescriptive part, how in the world do we figure out the generosity part? What is there to learn in this? So time out. Let me, let me tell you this. Number one, this message is not because, okay, I'm telling it to you because the church needs money. That is not it. Best financial year in the history of the church. Isn't that crazy? In the light of this world that we live in? This is for you. This is for you. Because if you can get the generosity piece. So Ann and I are at the stage of parenting now that we are parenting adults. Our kids are grown now. They're out of the house. We still have to parent occasionally, all right? Occasionally. And so we have to give our, we give our opinions often, but we parent occasionally. And so we, we uh, I look back on that time of our kids growing up. One of the greatest lessons you ever teach your kids is about how to be unselfish and generous. Because that makes great people. And you teach it every day, right, in our homes. Generosity was a word that described these people. What are the lessons we learned? Number one, we give joyfully when we have an unselfish heart. We give joyfully. We give begrudgingly when we have a selfish heart. Why do we give begrudgingly with a selfish heart? Because we think what we give is ours, not the Lord's. That's why we give begrudgingly. I think it's mine. I think it's, I own this. It's my stuff. It's my things. It's my toys. You need to think back to childhood. 
One of the greatest things you hear in a two-year-old room is mine, right? No, or maybe you heard that in your house last night. And so mine, no, mine. We give joyfully when we have an unselfish heart. So scripture says in the New Testament that God loves a cheerful giver. Why does he love a cheerful giver? Because a cheerful giver gets it. That's why he loves them. They get it. They get life is meant to be like, live like this. It's not mine. Not like this. Look at what Acts said. And they felt like the people, this is the prescriptive part for us, that what they owned was not their what? They understood everything I have is a gift. I should use it accordingly. So the words I want you to write down help you remember it. Ready? Owner, manager. Owner, manager. Owner says it's mine. Manager says it's been given to me to use correctly. Owner, manager. All over this weekend, people rented places. Well, when they went in those rental places, they didn't back up the U-Haul of their furniture from their house. Why? Because they're renting the house because it's not theirs. At a rental contract. It's a reminder this is not your own. Don't take the ice maker. Don't take the, you know, this is not your stuff. I know you love the TV. Please leave it on the wall, right? It's not yours. These people got it. And here's the crazy part. I don't think Simon Peter teach the lesson on it's not yours. I think the light bulb went on and they went, this isn't mine. Here's the crazy part of the world we live in. The world we live in pushes us into a mold about chasing yours, chasing what's best for you, getting to be number one. And God's is opposite. He said, he said that I'm gonna bless you and give to you what you do with that tells how you feel about him. Do I keep it or do I let it pass through? Number two, we give to tell the story about Jesus. That's what I loved about last Sunday night. You probably didn't know all those people that walked through those waters. Because you give though, you help tell the story of Jesus. They did too. Look at what's in Acts 4.13. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. All right, it's called time out. Let's, let's talk about this real quick. Every weekend, I wanna teach with passion. But I didn't see the resurrected Jesus. If I had seen the resurrected Jesus with my own eyes, let me tell you, I'd drive you nuts, right? Because you're like, dude, he was dead, and he's alive, you're crazy if you don't do that. I mean, you're crazy. How could you not believe the guy? So when, these, when you read, they talk powerful. I'm telling you, they are on fire because they believe in it. They know there's something to this. 
And because the church gave, it extended, that's the word I want you to write down, it extended the message of Jesus. It kept this story going. And the reality is here at North Star, we couldn't do what we do without you. So if North Star one week just says, well, I'm not giving anymore. Well, what we do would big time change because we extend you go work 40 hours a week, but we send mission teams and we do all those things that we get to do because of you. Number three, we give, and this is probably my favorite thing today, because we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. Ladies and gentlemen, the fact of the matter is we are all blessed. Would y'all agree with that? We are blessed. I, until just a few years ago, we were just talking about this morning, in uh, December of 2011, I went for the very first time out of this country on a mission trip, December 2011. And this, this sounds terrible, but I had never, now Ann and I had gone out of the country, but it was on our honeymoon. And so we didn't, I didn't take her on a mission trip for a honeymoon. That's romantic. All right, and so we went to a nice resort and yeah, we flew in, but we went somewhere nice. We go to this mission trip. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I had never seen poor, poor. Like, nothing. And the sad part was I kept telling you, you ought to go, it'll be great for you, you ought to go. And Marcia finally went, when are you going? I'm like, it'll be great for somebody else, and they ought to go. And she's like, you need to go. And I'm like, I know, they'll, somebody else will go. And so finally I went, and you know what I saw? I saw how blessed we are. My daughter's senior year of high school I believe it was the summer after her senior year, she went for the very first time and it changed her. It changed her. Because you grew up in this society, you are blessed and you don't even know you're blessed. You know what I'm talking about? And when we can begin to see, I have been so blessed to be a blessing. I was with a good friend not too long ago at his son's wedding. And I remember years ago, this guy telling me this. He said, Mike, I want to be the very best I can be at my job so I can bless more than I could have ever imagined. Not so I can make more, but so I can bless more than I've ever imagined. And he said, I've always prayed that the Lord would give me the gift of giving. And I'm like, I've prayed that with you. All right, and so that, that he would give you that gift, right? Because we're blessed to be a blessing. You know, I look back at our lives and I've wasted lots of money in my lifetime. Wasted. How many of y'all can think of a financial decision you made that was just awful? Like embarrassingly awful. Raise your hand if you can think of that, okay? I can think of a lot in my life. Ann and I argue really about very little, but in the early days of our marriage, we argued about money. 
I mean, that was what we argued about because I thought ATM stood for always taking money, all right? And so I, I would go very often and I would just get money out. I didn't balance the checkbook and I was in charge of the checkbook, which was a problem. And she's like, you know that you took out money that we don't have. And I'm like, sorry, all right? And so, because I just, I didn't understand it and I wasted money. And I remember going through, we used to do a, um, a Bible study here, Jamie Maddox and Kelly led called Crown. And we had to, bring in like all the places we spent money. I wasted money. Like I could get a 20 out of the ATM and like five of it, I knew where it went. The other, was it? I'm not good math. 15, all right, I have not, don't judge me. All right, and so I had no idea where the other 15 went. I mean, I just blew it. And those were small decisions. Then I bought some cars I shouldn't have bought. You don't know what we're talking about. You know what I've never wasted? I've never wasted what I've given to the Lord, ever. And I'm so thankful that when I was growing up, my parents, they, they taught a lot, <clears throat> whether you wanted to hear it or not. And one of the things they talked to us about was 80, 10, 10. Learn to live off 80, give the Lord 10, save 10. I'm so thankful they taught us that. Because I learned I got modeled for me, blessed to be a blessing. And you know what I could do here today? I could stop this service right now. And I could just start pointing at faces in this room that live out this motto. They're blessed to be a blessing. And they pray that God uses them greatly to bless others. Point number four. We have and we give because it demonstrates God's love. It demonstrates it. When we give, it is a picture of how God gives to us. God is unselfish and God's united. He's one. So you'll notice as you walk through the gospels and we got a couple quick points here that they took care of their family first. You need to take care of your family. They took care of their spiritual family. And they took care of those that God put in their path. So there's a great pastor, lived in this community for a long, long time. He used to say this statement. I'm gonna tell you why. Let me tell you the story. We're still on track. You're gonna get out early. So you're good, all right? And so, so the, this guy, his statement, Johnny Hunt used to say, we're never, we never look more like Jesus than when we give and when we serve. I agree with that. When you give and serve, you look like Christ. You just do. You're happier. I mean, statistics tell us you're happier. One of the things I used to love about Johnny Hunt is he would always keep money in his pockets on Sunday. Every Sunday, he'd keep money in his pocket. There's a $100 bill, if I remember the story right. And if a, church, a young church pastor would always come to the great First Baptist Woodstock. And Woodstock was one of our sponsoring churches, 25, isn't that crazy? Sponsoring churches 25 years ago, them in Saddleback. Johnny would always keep that money in his pocket. And when that kid would come up to him, who probably had nothing, just starting out in ministry, Johnny would pull out that cash and give it to him every week. He kept it every week in his pocket. He understood the principle I'm gonna bless who God puts in my pathway. And that wasn't his giving to the church. That was over and above. And you know what he used to always say? And I always get blessed back. 
But what if we started living this way? What if our lives became more about what I can give than what I can get? And every day when we left our house, we're like, I'm gonna bless somebody today. I'm gonna be a blessing. You may not carry a $100 bill in your pocket. It's not what I'm telling you to do. But I am telling you, every day we get an opportunity to bless people. And every time you bless them, you open a pathway for them to hear what you have to say. So we could sit as a church and go, woo, listen to us. We got a great story to tell. And people go, y'all are the most selfish people I've ever met. Why would I want to hear what you have to say? Or we can go serve and give till they hear the story. Bottom line, as the outside world looked at this group of believers, generosity with one another, their care for the needy, and their powerful witness, they were drawn to faith in Jesus. And the movement just So how does the movement keep going? Here's a question we ask kids on Friday nights a lot. If everybody practiced like you, what kind of team would it be? If everybody gave like us, what kind of church would it be? Would the movement go? Or would the movement come to a stop? I believe one of the greatest gifts we get in this life is to live life like this. And I pray that's what you do and what I do. Would you pray with me? Father, what a story. This early church is just, it's powerful to see. It's day by day life change. It's not Sunday to Sunday. It's day by day because that story just kept being told and the people kept giving unselfishly and they were united in a common mission and boy, the movement just exploded. Father, my prayer is in 2021, we won't by our actions Pause the movement. And Father, I just pray generosity over our people. God, I pray that when people think of North Star and they think of the people of North Star, they just go, they're just generous people. They give with no strings attached. They love without being asked. Because, Father, I know that's how you pave the way for the story to advance. So, Father, today I bless the people within the sound of my voice. God, may we live out the call you've placed on our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So, what do we do? I believe everything is about what do you do next. Right? What do you do next? What's the next step? For many of you, maybe that next step is next Sunday when it comes to giving, or maybe even today you go home with your spouse or, or you get alone if you're single and you say, man, I, I've never given before. I would challenge you to try it for you. Challenge you.
because it will change your life. It will change. I've never wasted what I've given, nor will you. Well, Mike, when I make this amount of money, when, when you make that amount of money, if you don't give it down here, you won't give it when you have it here. It's just the way that it is. So I challenge you. Second thing is we get, a, we get an option of being generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Today we've talked about being generous with our treasure, but for some of us, maybe we need to start serving. We need to take that next step. We've, we've been consumers and we've come, but we're like, all right, I want to advance and I give, but I want to give them my time. If you scan right there on your little uh, brochure that you got, there's a little QR code. If you'll scan that QR code, it'll take you down to a little thing on We Need You, I think it's the link, and you'll see all the different serving opportunities. I know for a fact, our bed babies at 11 o'clock last week had nine babies. We are young. We got some youngins around here, all right? Nine children, and there's two workers the same two every week. Man, maybe you go, you know what? We can come to 930, we can serve at 11, or we can come at 11 and serve at 930 in middle school or children's or hospitality or on e-groups with our, with our church online. Man, I could be a host online. I could do that. All those opportunities are there. I'm telling you. So here's what I'm gonna tell you. When we're united behind it, behind the mission we've been given, to help people find their way home, and we're unselfish with our resources and our time, you will watch the church move with leaps. And that's my prayer. Would y'all join me today and let's thank the Lord for our time together.